1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauter. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. On the other end of the speaker and joining me today, the man, the myth, the legend that should be your co-host if businesses weren't greedy, Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. He runs the show over there. What's up, bro? How are you? What's going on, man? 2020. I'm never not going to say it. You know I'm I, never not going to say it. Why wouldn't you, right? I know. I, I, no one's going to tell me not to, so I'm always going to say it. But how are you, man? How's life? Doing well, man. I'm enjoying it. Um, man, this season flew by. Did it you with that? Uh, yeah, I always get—I kind of always get that way towards this time of the year, though. You're like, man, how are we here already? And oh. the, the fact that the team—the team I cover—could be eliminated like this week really yeah. sucks. But but maybe they won't be. Yeah, I get you.
2: How's life for you, man?
1: It's good, bro. It's busy. Uh, you know, teaching kids how to draw things is, is a, a great way to go about my day. Uh, thankfully, I'm in, the, I'm in my off season. Football season's over for and from middle school level and baseball season hasn't begun yet. So I get to experience what it's like to leave work at a normal time of day. For now <laughs> for now yeah it is
2: weird man I, i'm in the same we were talking about this a little bit before and like what do you do with your free time well i don't know what to do with my free time because i'm not used to having free time
1: <laughs> right it's just you know you have it and you kind of like wander around it's almost like uh i what's the uh el chapo that that el chapo meme? <laughs> i think not it was not el chapo it's uh what's his name the guy from the the cartel drug dealer from the show That's exactly what you're talking about uh, yeah I can't remember his name my bad but they, the fact that he's just sitting around doing nothing that's kind of what I do with my free time if i if I'm not expecting it but anyways Saturday 1 in the afternoon the 49ers are playing the Seahawks in the wild card round of the playoffs it's weird to call it a wild card round now because I get it but everybody's playing like there's only well, two teams not playing it's almost like they need to come card. up with a new name right Cause it's like,
2: hey, I don't, I don't wild. know that I, I hear people toss around super
1: wild card round. I, I'm I a, I'm, a, I'm good on that. Why? Just going to throw the word super in the, in yeah. the front of it. It's like, add <laughs> super and call it a day. <laughs> like when I, when I have kids, I'm going to be like, these are my, <laughs> these are my super scrambled eggs <laughs> and they'll be excited to eat. Um, so one thing I think it's, I always try to start whenever it, whenever we talk about a game, I try and start with like the injury status of the team. And right now, the 49ers are like remarkably healthy. I think the only two players from the beginning of the year that aren't playing are Trey Lance and Emmanuel Mosley. I think that's it. I mean, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo came in somewhere in the middle to relieve there that said Trey Lance, not in the middle, in the beginning. But that's pretty remarkable, right? We're, we're totally used to the 49ers being. One of the most injured teams of all time, all the time.
2: Yeah, this is like alarmingly healthy because every year heading into the playoffs, maybe this is the time where they are getting starters back, like 2019. Quan Alexander, uh, they got back, I, I think, D four too. So Dre Greenlaw and Aaron Banks are back, but they only missed like one or two games, and they they were able to get Eric Armstead, uh, Javon Kenlaw, Debo up and running before uh, the playoffs started. So yeah, this is it's weird <laughs> to talk about it because. This part of the show would usually be what? uh, Going over, are they going to be right? Because certain people are just now coming back.
1: Right. Well, and you've got Kevin Givens, who's practicing. And to me, that's a super underrated addition. Mm -hmm. Very much. I have a a high respect for Kevin Givens and what he does during his rotational time. Eric Armstead's back. Uh, Aaron Banks is back. You just said that. Uh, Essentially, everybody who's been injured at any point in the season Uh, is is back i mean i guess no i mean they never really had jason barrett that's one of the saddest stories i'll ever tell um but i'm just looking at all the names of the players that have been injured throughout the season and in case you guys didn't know well i think it was nbc sports that was putting out that graphic every week that was like had like a metric for measuring the most injured teams in the nfl and the 49ers were always in last place
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and now you're talking about going into a playoffs where They've lost two starting quarterbacks, and somehow they're still alive and good. When's the last time that happened? Never, and this is why we're talking about a potential Super Bowl run. I mean, seriously, though, like never, right? Like when's when's the last time a team has won a hella games with three different starting quarterbacks?
2: I was wondering that today. When's the last time a team, so Seattle, has faced three different quarterbacks in three different games from the same team?
1: I know, right? Right? They saw Trey Lance. Did they, did Seattle face Trey Lance? Yeah. Week two. That was the game where Trey got hurt. That's where Trey got hurt. Yeah, idiot. And then they saw, obviously faced you know, Jimmy Garoppolo in that game. Yep. And then have now faced Brock Purdy. They faced all of the 49ers quarterbacks. That's wild. That's a great little point. I would have never have, have thought about it that way. But here we are again. 49ers, Seahawks. It, it, to me, it's like I, I have this outlook on this matchup that no matter how bad the Seahawks suck or how bad the 49ers suck or vice versa, no matter which team's the good team, you never really know what to expect when these two teams play. Now, uh, you know, we've seen the 49ers and Seahawks play in some incredible matches, some outstanding football. Obviously, the one in everybody's mind right now would be 2019 Last game of the season in in Seattle, correct? hmm To clinch the division and huge playoff seeding implications. Dre Greenlaw tackles their tight end at the goal line. The ball is three inches short of crossing the plane. Just unbelievable stuff. This is not necessarily expected to be that matchup, but do you think it could be?
2: Um, I, I do agree when – you said no matter what happens, when these two teams get together, like chaos tends to happen, right? At, at some point, think about that Thursday night game. It was close until Quantra Diggs dropped that interception. The, that game could have turned on its head right there, but that doesn't happen. 49ers end up recovering a fumble, so they benefit from the luck and sure enough go on to win the game. But this game, I mean, if we want to start with either one of one side of the ball, and let's call it the offense since we're talking about Purdy. Where do the Seahawks have the advantage? And
1: if, if we're ahead. talking about the 49ers on, on offense, yes, um, nowhere, right? Nowhere. Uh, well, I mean, and if you're if we're being real, I did a couple pods ago, I broke it down. Since like Christian McCaffrey came to the 49ers, the 49ers offense has ranked has, has gotten like 28 points per game. I think is about where I was. With since Christian McCaffrey came, which would rank currently second in the NFL behind the Chiefs. But since Brock Purdy's been here, I think the 49ers offense has averaged over 30 points per game, yeah, which is
2: 33 five, five of the last
1: six. Which would be four points ahead. I believe the last time I che- checked, the Chiefs were at twenty-nine. Which, in those type of metrics, having a four-point lead over someone is significant. You know, it's like it's like yards per carry. You know, going twenty-nine
2: is a ton, too. By the way, like that's it over is, four. It is. <laughs>
1: I mean, but everybody expects that from the Chiefs.
2: Exactly. We're
1: Chiefs, not used we to that the from point. the Niners. So, I mean, if you have more to say, continue because. I mean, are the 49ers
2: yeah, I mean, operating just about,
1: at will on offense?
2: So you, you brought up with McCaffrey on the field. So now there all of their five eligibles are dangerous. And that really wasn't the case. I think Shanahan had a good point today when he was talking about when he, they put Debo in the backfield, teams can't really run man coverage because what are you going to do, put a linebacker on him? Or are you going to put a cornerback and now you have to defend the run with a cornerback in a linebacker spot? That's essentially what he said. Of course, you're not going to do that. So, like, all are you talking fi-
1: about that little uh, locker room interview where Kittle just basically broke down the horrible situation that defense are always in?
2: No, no. So at the podium today, uh, Shanahan was talking about that. He, he didn't speak much about it, but somebody was asking like the impact that McCaffrey has in as a receiver, and he kind of tied that into the same with Debo when he lines up in the backfield there. So Debo, McCaffrey, Ayuk, Kittle, and then just kind of pick your poison with whoever the fifth the fifth guy is but going back to the matchup itself think about where seattle struggles some by numbers the seahawks are giving up over 14 yards per reception to tight ends think about who the 49ers tight end is 49 <laughs> tyler
1: croft is gonna have himself <laughs> <our game>. right <laughs> break out day for
2: croft so <laughs> the seahawks also give up they're 31st in yards per target to tight ends and they are in the bottom 5 to uh, yards per reception for running backs too. What has Brock Purdy done in the last 6 games? He's thrown the ball to McCaffrey, he's thrown the ball to Kittle, and he's doing that a lot. So where the Seahawks match up or where the Seahawks, you know, aren't very good is exactly where the 49ers excel. And then like to, to hammer that point home, all these short passes they're doing. The Seahawks also allow the most yards after the catch. So we have the, or the 49ers have the nickname the Yak Bros. And everything about this side of the ball just doesn't bode well. It's, I'm 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 trying to think of where the 49ers would struggle to get off the field. And it just comes back to like shooting themselves in the foot, right?
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the biggest X factor that everybody wants to talk about is the fact that you have a rookie seventh round pick at quarterback that everybody is expecting to wilt at some point, which I think. yeah, and you, you and I have had multiple conversations about this through text. And I, I think at this point, he's Purdy's earned the respect. You know, like the 49ers have always put themselves in position to where the back end of the season matters because they, they started three and four. So if they wanted to get into the playoffs, they had to win some games. And then it became all about seeding. Yeah, they've locked up a spot in the playoffs, but the seeding was still at risk. They, they always had something to play for. So to me, these last however many games of the season have felt like playoff games. There was always an implication in terms of winning and losing. So when someone talks about Brock Purdy's inexperience, I'm always like, I mean, he's been playing meaningful games already. He's already been playing in games that they feel like they had to win for something to happen in the postseason. So the big X factor right now, we'll get into Purdy in a little bit. The big X factor right now in terms of both of these teams is the weather, which is exactly. supposed to be. Up. What's up?
2: No, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was going to say the same thing, the weather. And to add to that, we're, since we're talking about Purdy real quick, this is Gino's first playoff start too.
1: Right. Yeah. Everybody, nobody wants to mention that just cause the dude is, the dude is older and it's been in the league longer. But they're both starting their first postseason game. So are you still with us? Yeah,
2: can you hear me? Okay.
1: Yeah, I can hear you. You you briefly like like I saw your little bar like blink and then you came back. Okay. So it's both quarterbacks are making their first postseason start. So I'm not sure if we we need to blow up the you know, emphasize the Purgyan experience without also discussing Geno's inexperience, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it it has to matter. But let's talk about the weather because I was looking at it earlier and 82% chance of precipitation on Saturday. And that's at 1 o'clock, so about 30 minutes before kick. But it looks like it's going to happen through 4 o'clock. To some capacity, the rain is. So lower 50s, rain, does that even the playing field? Does that help the 49ers? Does that hurt a pass-happy Seahawks team? What do you think the weather means for Saturday?
1: I've I have bounced back and forth with myself about this because and what it, and I think I've settled on is the Seahawks have struggled against the run. They've struggled in the short passing game. They've struggled against the players that you would pass it to in the rain and their to me their biggest threat of beating the 49ers or footing the 49ers in a tough spot where they have to orchestrate some game-winning drive is some sort of deep play to DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. I don't, I don't consider either one of them a better deep threat than the other. They're both incredible receivers. Um, To me, that was weather aside. That was always the way that the Seahawks were going to make this a game is they were going to try and see if DK Metcalf can channel some of that frustration that he's built up against Charverius Ward and get him on a play or they're gonna pick on Diamador Lenore, or they're gonna try and take advantage of Jimmy Ward in the slot, who's been playing more nickel. Uh, you know, I always considered their biggest weapon against the 49ers to be the pass game, because and it's not like the 49ers are slouches against the pass. They have a ridiculous pass rush, and they I think they lead the league in interceptions. But that was so point being, if they were gonna hurt the 49ers, that was how they're gonna do it. And the rain to me, takes away the Seahawks' biggest way of hurting the 49ers. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree
2: 100%. So I was looking at some of Geno's numbers earlier, and when you look at what he's done against the rest of the NFL compared to what he's done against the 49ers, I don't know it's a small sample size, only two games, but his average yards per attempt is almost two yards shorter. His average yards per passing distance is over three and a half. It's almost three and a half
1: yards. It's 3.4 yards. So
2: you have to be able to... I got
1: to get the the fucking... Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Everybody talks about hitting the 49ers deep. And by the numbers, the numbers will tell you. The eye test will tell you. They're giving up a deep pass seemingly every game. But that's not sustainable. And we've seen that time and time again. The Cardinals were able to hit them. But what happened after that? They didn't have 100 yards... From the first quarter on through the third quarter, so through garbage
1: time. That was such a weird – backup quarterbacks aside, that was such a weird game. Like, it started out so weird. Yeah. And then it was like – ha! the 49ers were like, ha, 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 okay. That's All right, awful. now we
2: got to try. That's Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was uh, – so, I mean, what's your take on the weather? How does it – how does it make this matchup interesting or – you know, does it level the playing field? What, what do you think? So
2: this is as good of a tackling team in the NFL, the 49ers defense. Will that mess them up? They have come back down to earth, it feels like, a little bit over the last couple of weeks. So will the rain affect them in that sense? I'm trying to figure out how a deep ball would be affected by the rain, but I really don't think, honestly – if they're just going to go one, two, three, step and throw, if anything, you worry about slipping, pass interference, like that sort of thing. And same for the Seahawks defense. But I think if anything, making a Seattle team, as I said at the top, one dimensional, because the odds that they're going to be able to run the ball are slim to none. Right. That is going to hurt them since the 49ers know they're going to be able to pass or they're going to be able to help whoever needs help at the time. And um, I have a hard time seeing Seattle Put points on the board, putting points on the board. I do think they're, they're going to be able to move the ball because it seems like teams have found just different ways to move the ball against the 49ers. Sometimes it's as simple as uh, missing a tackle, but I, I don't know whether it's the seams, whether it's attacking outside. I think Geno, Lockett, DK Metcalf, like they have the players to do that. But again, like can they hold up for those two and a half seconds, three seconds? Because the 49ers have some guys who get in drives in a hurry up front.
1: Do you think rainy conditions do they help? Do they help offensive? I guess I'll rephrase it. Do they hurt offensive or defensive linemen more, or is it kind of just a wash?
2: Yeah, I really think it's a wash, and it obviously it's going to depend on the player. Like, wh- what type of weather is going to impact Trent freaking Williams? None. <laughs> yes. uh, he's gonna the be rain fine. like
1: moves around that guy. Right. <laughs> right. It wants nothing to do with him. And just think about the
2: style of play the 49ers play with on the defensive line is rain really going to slow that style down? Probably not. Like they're, it seems like they're the type that just plays in a track stance and, and meets each other at the quarterback. I don't, I'm not sure where rain's going to slow them down.
1: Speaking of yeah. track stances, like is Nick Bosa's pre-snap stance? Is that normal? <laughs> he, that dude it, makes himself look like a, uh, like an Olympic sprinter that's about to somehow run through
2: you. He is flexible. You can tell that because you, it does not look like you should be able to get in that type of stance and be able to fire out. Um, that is pretty
1: funny. He also How? makes himself look like he's like eight feet tall. Right. When he does that. <laughs> right. Like you're just like legs stressed out. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy, bro. It's you look. I just look at it and I just stare at his Achilles. Like, please hold up. <laughs> please hold up. Cause it's like, I, I've always wondered that about defensive linemen like your Achilles is constantly under duress but I get they don't seem to tear Achilles very often I guess players in general don't
2: yeah I mean but anyways just
1: let's have a sidebar about Nick Bosa how about I his know, dude we could t- I don't know man unbelievable dude just what I like about the Nick Bosa story and he was one of the players you know we said we would talk about today but the dude is as advertised, like nothing about him. Uh, Yeah, he's probably he's probably better. But it's just like the dude was the number one overall prospect. He didn't go first because the Cardinals needed a quarterback, which I don't blame them for taking Kyler Murray, especially with some of the stuff they've been able to do with him. That's a whole other conversation. But he just like he was everybody thought he was hella good. He got into the league. He was hella good. He got held back by an injury, which he recovered from remarkably well, immediately came back and had like 15, 16 sacks. Now he's got even more than that, and he's about to add to it in the postseason. The 49ers are like, I don't think they have ever been so excited to pay somebody in their life. Like like you can (laughs) pay him $30 million a year and no one's going to wonder why. Like, I don't know, man. What are you, what's your, what's your, what's your Nick Bosa thought?
2: I mean, his his numbers are pretty silly. He's He has more than one tackle for loss per game, more than a quarterback hit per game, over a sack, obviously, per game. It seems like... And then when you think about what offenses are trying to do to him, right? They're going out of their way. Imagine how many minutes and hours a team focuses on Bosa throughout the practice week. And he still, every game, shows up and finds a way to make a play. Yeah, I think this is a guy where you just hand him
1: the checkbook and, hey, just yeah. pick, pick a number. Yeah, we'll write your it. own numbers on this and, and we'll we'll say okay. Um, so, yeah, you've got a defense that seems to – I mean, it, it, we're just struggling to find a way for the Seahawks to really stick it to the 49ers. That doesn't mean that shit won't happen. I mean, we saw the 49ers get in a, a blow-to-blow fight with the Raiders. You know, I don't think I think a home playoff matchup. I don't see the 49ers getting caught slipping in the same way they did against the Raiders. Like there's just no it's impossible not to get up for the playoffs. Like everything has led to this moment. I just I mean, what do we even what do we even talk about when it comes to the 49ers versus the Seahawks? Other than I mean, obviously, we know the history. We know it's supposed to rain. We've talked about how the rain is going to limit the Seahawks. How's it going to limit the 49ers or will it? I mean, now one thing we should probably, I should probably say is teams still throw the ball in the rain all the time, like all the time, but especially with gloves, you know, you can still very much have success in the rain. but it makes it harder. It, It makes, and I'm sure statistically teams probably run the ball I don't know, probably one and a half times more in the rain, you know, so it, whatever, but there's going to be one the more
2: throughout the game. Like that, those type of things is how the, the rain really affects you.
1: Yeah. So do you think that this rain and the fact that it seems almost like a certainty at this point, do you think it changes what the 49ers will be able to do against the Seahawks? Does it make the 49ers less threatening?
2: Well, I, when you're thinking about, rookie first-time playoff quarterback. You're going to try to rattle him, right? But Seattle doesn't blitz. And they have the second-lowest blitz rate all season. So the 49ers are honestly just going to be able to run their offense, do what they usually do. And then when teams do blitz him, teams haven't been able to get home. He's only been sacked twice against the blitz on 45 dropbacks. So the like everything is pointing toward the 49ers' direction. And what I try to do is how – does a team do when they step up in class? Like how are the Seahawks when they had the two games against the 49ers, when they played um, a top five Jets team, which they actually did well against in week 17, but they did the other games um, I, I believe it was Tampa Bay earlier on in the season, obviously the 49ers. Uh, there was one other game in week 10 where they, where they were just not very good at all. But in the, aside from that Jets game and the other four, games a season where they played essentially a top five defense. Seattle's numbers were just bad. And Gino was, uh, the rest of the offense was the defense in the entire season. No matter what you look at, I mean, you can watch them play. They're giving up big plays. They're not getting off the field. It's, it is tough to come up with an argument, but it's the matchup, right? It's still the 49ers and the Seahawks. It's still right. The familiarity has to matter. You would imagine the Seahawks have something up their sleeves. The whole, I do believe in, and, and I, I wonder if you do as well, the whole have nothing to play for and playing free where I know it's pretty, but they're all the pressures on the home team.
1: Yeah. It, it, the pressure is all on the 49ers to perform. You know, the Seahawks uh, in a way uh, lucked into a, a playoff spot. I mean, Obviously, it's not luck because they won the game. They had to win to give it a shot. But it was also in <laughs> overtime against the Rams. They only scored 19 points, I believe, against the Rams. And so, it, it, you know, everything starts to look very lucky. And the Lions, we just saw, were able to take that mentality that no one is counting on us, and we could deny these this team a postseason berth. And in the 49ers' case... We can shut this 10 win streak down right now in the postseason and send them home, you know, send them packing at home. So now that doesn't, that doesn't win you football games, you know, like it, it helps in terms of the fire you play with. But if you're going to get schemed up, you're going to get schemed up no matter how cool, how motivated you are while it's happening, you know. So it, it won't necessarily win the Seahawks the game, but it's, I'm a huge believer in momentum and like, just the attitude you take into games and, and talking yourself into, into manifesting, manifesting something. It's like, so I can see it, man. I mean, the Seahawks feel like they're playing with, with house money, right? It's, it, they're here. They're facing a division rival. Why not, why not surprise the world? So, that, I mean, that's, and that's what the 49ers have to contend with. But that's not, what I'm trying to say is, that's not reality on a football field. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't close the gap. Yeah. You have to block, you have to tackle, you have to cover George Kittle. You have to cover Christian McCaffrey. You've got to cover Debo Samuel. You've got to cover Brandon. Ayuk, and you've got to get to Brock Purdy all at the same time. Like you got to do at least like three of those things at the same time to, to have one successful play. So it's, it's hard to envision that happening. I mean, especially when you're talking about previous games, the Seahawks' have the Seahawks offense in two games has scored 13 points against the 49ers in two games. One of their touchdowns was after off a block field goal. One of those touchdowns on offense was with the game sort of out of reach. I mean, at that, well, that point was, when they
2: – That was garbage time. If, if you're talking about week two, right?
1: Well, no, no, no. Well, week two they never scored an offensive touchdown. I don't know when they scored the one from the block kick.
2: It was they... – I want to say it was like three thirty-five. It was late in the fourth quarter, if that's if we're talking about the same one.
1: And even the touchdown they scored in week fifteen was late in the fourth quarter, and I believe it was in the fourth quarter. It was twenty-one to three, and then they got a field goal. It was twenty-one to six, and then they scored that that late touchdown. But right. I don't want to discredit that because the moment they scored that touchdown, it became a game. the 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 forty just sealed it with that huge Jordan Mason run. So. The Seahawks have not had a lot of success against the 49ers defense. They haven't had a lot of success on offense in a lot of areas. In, I mean, they've got some games in the 30s. But then you look at the, the Rams game that they just finished. I mean, that's the Rams. And they scored 19 points and had to win it in overtime. And that, to me, is scary for a team. Like, you're just kind of hanging on by your fingernails. They beat the Rams. they beat the Jets, who are going through all kinds of crazy shit. And then they've got one, two, three, four, five losses in six games before that. Somebody I th- I thought it was like they've lost like six out of the last eight or something like that. I can't remember exactly. They're definitely
2: was. trending in the wrong direction. Um It's a better I, way of saying it. I, I was looking at since so, so since week ten, the, on early downs, so on first and second down. As far as just being successful is, is the play going to move the ball? They're twenty eighth on early downs. They're not getting any sort of push from their offensive line. That cannot happen mm-hmm. against a San Francisco team no. that comes at you in waves. Like we talk about Bosa, but I think Charles who has been awesome this year. Uh, it's it's a big deal for them to have Eric Armstead back in the lineup because he is a huge issue for a lot of other teams. And then Samson you We talk about Kevin Givens. Who knows what Javon Kinlaw will be able to bring in the playoffs because. These past couple of games have been kind of a, you know, like a tune-up for him. So we'll see if he has his legs underneath him for a playoff run. Uh, Jordan have, Willis
1: has been making plays. Ty McGill's been yeah. making plays. You're like Eric Hyder batted a pass that led to right. an interception. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's it really is wild what the 49ers have been able to do. Um, are there any 49ers and Seahawks points that you think we haven't touched on? We're about to talk some Brock Purdy, but I want to make sure we don't just gloss over this incredible matchup.
2: (laughs) No, I I really don't think so. I mean, one team has a bunch of good players, um, and they make a lot of plays, and they have scored a lot of points off it, and the other team has been fighting tooth and nail just to keep their head above water, and I think that's what this matchup is.
3: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think, yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've texted back and forth quite a bit about Brock Purdy. I mean, what – I mean, you just – without even – I'm not even going to phrase a question. What do you think of this phenomena, phenomena that is Brock Purdy? What are your thoughts? What are you feeling about it?
2: I mean, he's proven that he can guide an offense. I think people wonder, like, what the difference between him and Jimmy is. Like, why are the 49ers having this much success? Because I think it's fair to say – Sure, Jimmy didn't have Christian McCaffrey, but when were they ever moving the ball like this? And is Christian McCaffrey worth 10 points? No, he's not. And that's pretty much the difference in their scoring. You just talked about 33 points and, and essentially all of his starts. I think his confidence and aggressiveness, like those are really paying off. You cannot... He's pushing the ball down the field enough to keep defenses honest. And he's completing those passes, but more so like the second level is really where he's attacking. And I think we've seen in every game, uh, the the last game was, it was actually pretty funny. He tried to outrun Isaiah freaking Simmons who runs a four, four. <laughs> he did. He
1: did. And that,
2: that's like, all right, Rook, we, we get it. You're an athlete, but you're not that much of an athlete. Um, but that was a good teaching moment. And I thought him having to play in the Raiders game when he was down, uh, essentially every possession he had the ball uh, Purdy was trailing and they kept scoring and And the quarterback has to get credit for that. I know it's really easy when you can take a three step drop, throw a crossing route to Brandon Ayuk and he picks up 20 yards. I am aware of that, but we haven't seen all of the players flourish like this out. George Kittle has 11 freaking touchdowns, man. Um, I know. Is that because Kyle Shannon all of a sudden started getting him the ball? Probably not. Uh I don't, I don't think we have to pretend that that's been the case either. But um, so yeah, Purdy knows where to go with the ball, which is a huge deal for a rookie. He's playing on time. He's hitting guys in stride. And there's been times where he's come close to turning the ball over. But like, almost plays don't count in football. When are we going to learn that? You don't. <laughs> um, people are charting like that's you know, the
1: same type of shit when people are like, well, if. If he wouldn't have hit that 80 yard touchdown, then his stats would be this. I'm like, no, <laughs> right. that's not how that works. It's actually how they get it. paid.
2: <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, that doesn't really bother me. I, I know I brought up the Quandre digs, that interception that he dropped, but like, luck is part of football and you have to capitalize on those plays. And the 49ers, especially since Purdy's been under center, they've been able to capitalize on a lot of good fortune and luck. And that has to do something that has to be related to Purdy. Um, those are a lot of off, uh, off the field factors. And I, I know leadership and like, it sounds like soft factors, but I think that matters at the quarterback position. just,
1: um, being, being a leader, guiding everybody. Taking quarterback is, is just as much a coach on the field as it is anything yeah. else.
2: Your composure matters. And, um, early on in the season, this is not 49 related, but I thought that was a big difference between Trevor Lawrence. Like he would mope around every time he'd have a turnover and th- it would hurt the team. Later on in the season, he stopped doing that, and the Jaguars started winning. You haven't really seen that with Purdy. Like, he, he doesn't have this um, – like, whenever there's a bad play, you, you don't see him drop his head or anything. So, I, that matters on a football field, and I think um, that's that type of attitude that permeates the rest of the team, and we, and we see it. So, he has the physical ability. Sure, He like, he was the last pick in the draft for a reason, right? He doesn't have this rocket arm. Um, he's not 6'4", but – I think his athleticism caught a lot of teams off guard and um he's been able to outside of Simmons outrun most people. <laughs> um, and that's that's helped quite a bit, man. So, I know everybody wants to know is he going to be the quarterback for next year? Let's he's got to win a playoff game first. And I think uh once he gets past that, we'll we'll keep knocking those uh those doors down, but very impressed and I think we have to also grade this guy on a curve, right? He's just the last pick of the draft. So, far exceeded all expectations, probably one of the most successful seventh round quarterbacks in NFL history already. So yeah, I think he deserves props for how he's playing.
1: I think they've, it's already been established that he's the first quarterback taken last in the draft to ever complete a forward pass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, that was the standard. And now this guy has won essentially six games in a row and has the 49ers still in the conversation as being Super Bowl favorites. like Which does it all. Yeah, it it does, man. And it's like, I think the question I would pose to you is, in his current form, does Brock Purdy make the 49ers a better team?
2: I think he does. And I just talked about, I mean, I've seen him run out of sacks that Jimmy gets sacked. So that alone, you're adding a drive. And what happens when you add a drive and add a first down, you, there's a good chance that they're going to score if they're on the field. Um, we talked about shooting themselves in the foot. Like penalties and sacks, that's usually the only time. So something as little as that, I think. I mean, getting the ball to Kittle, that is a big deal. He's taken over. And they have a weapon in the red zone now. I'm sure that was he was never there before. Um, yeah, right. We're, we're seeing Ayuk flourish. Like We're seeing the 49ers offensive playmakers look like the playmakers that we've all been – a clamor for them to be. So I think uh, Purdy, that's on the quarterback for sure.
1: That to me was the biggest surprise or on how quickly Purdy developed his chemistry with IU because, I mean, you know better than anybody that a new quarterback, they always work from the inside out. You know, it's really easy for them to have a rapport with like a Christian McCaffrey and a George Kittle because they're the closest players to throw to at all times. You know, they're rarely the player that's furthest away from the ball or has the longest flight path. But he, it, he established a connection with Ayuk so damn quickly, and he started making throws that are not just advanced throws, but throws in which you're demonstrating that you trust the dude you're throwing to to be exactly where he's supposed to be. And then he's going to catch the ball. I mean, Brandon Ayuk's had a couple drops on plays where it was Purdy saying, okay, you got this. Like, go like that one. I can't remember what game it was. Where Brandon Ayuk was coming over the middle, he had a chance to seal the game with the first down, I think seal the game. And there was actually some yards after the catch in front of him, and he dropped it. But I, I wasn't so concerned about the drop as much as I was. And then you look at the game, the, the game against the Raiders, you know, where it was like that dude. It was him and Brock Purdy in the fourth quarter. They orchestrated that game-winning drive. Now, yes, Robbie Gould missed the kick, but everything up until that point had been done. You know, the dude. I think he threaded me, uh, Brandon, Ayuk either ran like a dig or a post and he had like half a yard of separation and Purdy literally like set the ball in his gut. And all Brandon, Ayuk kind of had to do was cradle it the old Vernon Davis catch. And, um, he just like, I think my answer to that question, does he make the 49ers better is yes, as well. It, it quickly went from, like when when Brock Purdy first came in, the attitude was can the forty ers still have some postseason success with get to this guy at quarterback. And now it's kind of shifting to the 49ers are winning games because of this quarterback. Like it's crazy to say it is. Like you go and you look at their game since he's been here. You know, thirty-three points against the Dolphins, thirty-five points against the Buccaneers who have a very good defense, 21 points in Seattle on prime time, 37 points against Washington, whose defense is outstanding, 37 points against Raiders with a game-winning drive sprinkled in there that didn't come to fruition. Then you have 38 points against the Cardinals in like three quarters. And it's it's just – and he's making it kind of look effortless, which is the weird part. Like – he doesn't look nervous. He doesn't look frazzled. He's made a couple little mistakes. He's had a couple near picks. He's had a couple near picks, and he's had a couple interceptions that weren't on him whatsoever.
2: Right. That's you a know. fair point. The Juwan Jennings one for sure comes to mind. Right.
1: And then the other one along the sideline, he just kind of underthrew Ayuk, and it was it ended up being kind of like an arm punt. That was forced
2: down. Uh, yeah, that's right. not a big deal. I, I
1: didn't even think about that. That shouldn't – like he shouldn't be faulted for that. So another one was against the chiefs when he was brought in because they were getting destroyed, which no, one, oh, I think he just threw it awesome. up towards the end zone if I'm not mistaken. So it's like, yeah, he just let it fly. <laughs> the dude is playing really. He's legitimately playing white, like with, and, you know, from a very black and white statistical type of view, he's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And I have no idea what to think about that.
2: Well, he's using the entire field and that doesn't mean like he's heaving deep passes down the field. So, Next gen stats sent out a bunch of numbers. He, the 49ers have doubled their designed rollout rate. So they're moving the pocket because Purdy is an athlete, because Kyle Shannon is comfortable with moving Purdy, right? That's his offense, by the way. Like he loves these rollouts, these uh, bootlegs and whatnot. So they've done that 10.5% of the time under Purdy. That was only 4.9% under Garoppolo. So a fraction of the field is cut in half because Kyle Shannon did not trust either Jimmy to throw the ball on the run or Jimmy to make a decision outside the pocket, but he's leaving the pocket and that definitely helps. So you have that using the entire field in that sense. And then the air yards. So he's on passes that are 10 plus yards in the air. His completion percentage is first in the NFL. What
1: else do we need here? <laughs> Which he's, is the last thing you would expect a brand new rookie quarterback to be good at it. Exactly. And, and what you said when,
2: when he's talking about, when you're talking about working from the inside out, so from May, June to the end of November, what receivers was Purdy throwing to? Like he's not throwing to Brandon. He's not throwing to Debo Samuel. He's on the scout team going against uh, Mooney Ward with Tay Martin. He's on the scout team with like their practice squad receivers. So for him to have the Kim chem- like it, it was always going to take a game, uh, four games, five, six games to build that type of chemistry with Brandon. And they're, probably not even anywhere close to where they would be or where they will be if he does keep starting. So I think that, that has to matter. The fact that they've been able to be on the same page so quickly, definitely says something about them.
1: And one of the biggest, I think critiques of, or not critiques, um, fears when it comes to Brock Purdy is, is he going to wilt in the playoffs? And I would say like, look, man, like I would say Purdy's probably going to be more comfortable in this game than he has been a lot of the season when you look at the games he's had. You know, talking about going to Seattle to clinch the division. You're talking about coming in on a whim because Jimmy Garoppolo broke his ankle, and now you're in the game against a Dolphins team that was, at the time, on fire. And I would say that this game probably frazzles Purdy less than some of the other games he's played in. And the dude, the whole time, has looked stone cold. Like I've just never seen him even make a funny face. Like the dude just seems like he just points to his veins and he's like, nah, It it's weird, dude. It's, it's, it's probably unprecedented. Like this has probably never happened before. I mean, I guess we already know the answer. If a, if a mystery relevant has never completed a forward pass, but it's like, when has a player drafted? You know, I, I don't want to narrow it too much. Just what he's doing is pretty unbelievable. And I just don't see the fact that it's a playoff matchup slowing him down or messing him a playoff matchup presenting any sort of Purdy that we haven't already seen.
2: He he gets a home game in his seventh start against a bottom five defense. Why would that make him play worse than what he's been playing?
1: Right. It's yeah. I don't don't
2: think we have to add like yeah. We don't have to make it more like any more than that, the more he plays, the better he's going to get. So just because it's a playoff game, like they're not going to change their schedule. They're not going to put banners up around the locker room. It's the playoffs. We have to do this. No, they're going to play the game. They're going to prepare to win as if they would any other week.
1: You're also talking about him as if he didn't start four years at Iowa State. Like
2: That's a big deal. this
1: This isn't like his first time playing football. The dude started 10 games. As a true freshman, you know, he like he's been doing this shit for a long time. And maybe that's why he just seems like he doesn't care. And he someone I think it was Grant that asked him, is there an element of playing in the NFL that was easier than college? And he's kind of like, yeah, because I'm throwing it to George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey, guys who are all among the best at their position. And it's like, all I got to do is facilitate. And and that's what he's doing, but in no way can you label the way he plays football as like a game manager type of style. The dude is pushing the ball down the field. So, and I even don't know when he doesn't make, day, unlike
2: most rookies, like he has the best defense to fall back on.
1: Yeah, and, and yeah, and we're not even talking about the fact that the defense is playing at an unbelievable level. So and I, and i think uh, i think i was listening to matt Mayoko's 49ers talk when he brought up a good point like everybody acts like the secondary is vulnerable and we they've have shown that they can give up some plays but at the same time you're talking about the same secondary that is leading the nfl in interceptions and that is working alongside a pass rush that is just Pretty unreal. So I don't know. I guess I'm not as concerned about the secondary as a lot of people. And this has been the same secondary for the whole season almost. When did we lose Emmanuel Mosley? I think week five. That's what I mean. Like it's been these guys since then. You know, it's not like they all they've they've taken some lumps. They've gotten they've they've given up some big plays. But there's no part of this secondary that hasn't earned a huge chunk of their defensive success. Yeah, Lenore started.
2: He has started over 10 games by now.
1: Um, Right. And I know it was Womack. Was it Womack to start? Or was that in the slot?
2: Womack was – yeah, he was mixed in in the slot. Okay. And then he did start – and then Lenore started in the slot for him. He took over for Womack. And then once Mosley went down, that's when – so, I mean, technically, Lenore's been on the field the entire season. He's just at a different position. But he did struggle down the stretch there. He was giving up some big plays. But – I was going back and I was watching him a little bit, and he was—he didn't really fall for the play fake last week against A.J. Green on that deep one. He was right there. People think it was O.P.I. I didn't think that was. I really think Green just made a better play on the ball than him. So it's a lot like last year when we're talking about Amber Thomas, he's in position, is he going to make the play on the ball. I think Lenore is a better cornerback all around than Thomas. And, like, yes, these long ones, like these long – um, plays he's given up do stand out, but over the course of sixty plays, like him, Hufunga, Gibson, uh, Jimmy Ward, especially, and then Mooney Ward for sure, like they're all in position and they're they're where they need to be. So when people are talking about the secondary being susceptible, it's four to five plays a game, like at max.
1: Right. Yeah, and it's just, and 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 a lot of those plays were to a receiver named Devontae Adams. Not bad. <laughs> and you're like, and even Kyle was like, yeah, one of those plays, he kind of made like one of the best catches I've ever seen. Right. So, and, and if it was a catch, that, even that was debatable, but I, I'm not tripping over that. It's like I said, it's Devontae Adams. Um, I think that overall, I don't think defenses see the 49ers as a defense they can take advantage of. If there is a, a team that thinks that, it's the Chiefs because they've done it already. And they probably are confident they could do it again. But I don't think anybody's looking at the 49ers secondary and, and drooling at the mouth. They just know that if they're going to succeed somehow against this defense, it has to be from a big play. And, you know, and through the air. That's just what happens when you face talented defenses. You just have to take the shotgun approach and and, and hope some of your shots hit because you're not gonna get it the traditional way, you know, if that makes sense. But so Let's, I mean, let's set the scene. Let's wrap this up. 49ers have won 10 games in a row. In kind of unprecedented fashion. Part of that, even though Trey Lance wasn't a part of the streak, the 49ers are, are on their third quarterback, third starting quarterback. Yet they've continued to win. In convincing fashion, ain't no slouch. None of this is a fluke. Brock Purdy's not looking like he's not making weird plays where it looks like he's just about to have a – three interception game. He doesn't look poised for a meltdown. The defense is still good despite having a couple games where they were like this is weird, but what do you think, man? What's the uh what's the what's the what's the ceiling for the 49ers?
2: The ceiling in Santa Clara if it were an 80 degree day? they're probably yeah. going to score 35 points but i don't think that's going to happen because I, I do think the rain is going to like put some sort of ceiling on this offense and ceiling's a great word um i'm thinking 24-13 both teams move the ball we might maybe we see some struggles at as far as punching it in in the end zone for the 49ers offense early but they'll probably score a couple times in the second half And we'll get a late touchdown again from Seattle. So just
1: essentially the same as the other three. I was Uh, just going to say, if it's, what did you say, 24-13?
2: Yeah, 24-13 is my actual prediction.
1: Yeah, I think (laughs) right when you said that, I'm like, with a fourth quarter quarter score inside the last five minutes.
2: Yeah, like it'll look respectable.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good prediction. I am going to go, man, it depends on how much it's raining. I'm going to go 28 to 10, 28 to 10. And I think considering the fact that the Seahawks have scored 13 points on offense in two games, I think giving them 10 points in one game at Levi's stadium in what might be shitty conditions is gracious for me.
2: I'm not sure that they have the ball a lot, too, by the way. I can see the 49ers just playing ball hog keep away and running it up and down the field, and that's probably going to chew up a lot of time and take, you know, the ball away from the no, I'm
1: glad No, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that Kyle Shanahan is looking at this game with these conditions and looking over at Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, and Jordan Mason and going, I'm about to fuck these guys up. <laughs> like, I am going to average three point three five yards per carry if it kills me and we are going to rip the heart out of a team in the most it will it's it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers game plan was what they did against the vikings see if you remember this right right. after kirk cousins threw that pick to richard sherman and then the 49ers ran the ball like seven times in a row all with tevin Coleman. coleman yeah and Like for like five yards of pop and just went right into the end zone. Now, I don't necessarily think it'll be that easy, but I could see Kyle Shanahan just going, I am going to put, you thought Mike McDaniel was important. I am about to put, write a running game symphony on their asses. It wouldn't surprise me if that's
2: what he's thinking. Nothing worse than a death by a thousand cuts like that, man. When you're just helpless, you know it's coming and you couldn't stop it. Dang. Elijah, how about Elijah Mitchell the other
1: day? Or on—that's what I'm saying, dude. Like he's very he's back and he's healthy. I think a lot of people, teams, analysts, fans realize there's unless it's a very significant injury that can affect the way you look coming back from it. A lot of these players that come back from injury, they've been okay for like three or four weeks, and then yeah. they have the you know the grace period of let's make sh- let's make sure it's safe. Let's get you back into football shape. And then in that moment, you're looking at a player that hasn't had to play football in like six weeks. And yeah,
2: he only played 10 snaps last week. There's a reason for that, I imagine.
1: Right. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Elijah Mitchell out carried Christian McCaffrey.
2: Just- and then their fourth quarter, they're going to get Jordan Mason, which, enjoy.
1: right. Who's fun to watch, man? That dude runs the ball like uh, a Marshawn Lynch light, dude. He just he, he is- hates being tackled yeah he just you could tell he's genuinely upset every time the play <laughs> over he gains like seven point five yards and he just slams his hand against the ball like damn it
2: don't worry, we'll All give right. it to you again.
1: I know I know any closing thoughts man anything uh did we leave anything out did we did we discuss this? no
2: uh before I get out of here do they how far do they get do they, the 49ers make the, make the Super Bowl do the Well I mean ball flat in the NFC championship do they win the Super Bowl?
1: Who are the Cowboys? Cowboys are playing. Cowboys are at Buccaneers. Not going to be easy. No, I could definitely see them losing that game just by the way they've been playing. Giants are at Vikings. I could see the Giants beating them. Uh, The Vikings are so weird, man. Sometimes they look amazing. Sometimes they look abysmal. Um, I think the way this team's playing, the way they've been playing, the amount of wins they've won in a row, it almost is like... Uh, a weirder version of the Patriots in their undefeated season. Now, no, the 49ers aren't undefeated, but they've won 10 fucking games in a row. That's nuts. That's that's not normal. So I think that at least the NFC Championship game, if not the Super Bowl, would be considered an un- underwhelming postseason performance for this team. And I, you know, like, and I think that they're, they're being given that respect around the NFL, too. I think that a lot of teams consider the 49ers to be one of the favorites to make it to the big game. What do you think?
2: I do too. And I, it's about the matchup, the path, you know, they might get lucky here and I don't want to say lucky, but avoid having to play the Cowboys and Eagles twice for whatever reason, I can't quit the Cowboys talent. And no, that said, it's,
1: it's impossible.
2: Tampa Bay is probably going to win that game. And I'm not so sure the Eagles are a good matchup for Tampa Bay. So we could be looking at an NFC championship where it's Tom Brady and Brock Purdy. I would imagine that. Um, <laughs> uh, again. I don't think that's too far fetched by the way. I really think the way that
1: the Eagles and Cowboys are both trending that and that's not, there's not a, good there's not to a be player many people. to ever exist with more postseason experience than Tom Brady. Right, like
2: what well, people I know that they were not good this this year at all. They were, I think, they're outscored some crazy like fifty
1: points, but they're eight and nine too. They have a losing record, in <laughs> which is insane. <laughs>
3: right.
2: That I'm predicting them to beat the one two, the one seed. Um, I, I just don't, I don't really see, especially the Giants and the Vikings, um, those teams beating a Tom Brady, beating that. D- I think they're just getting healthy at the right time too. So I think it's going to come down to tampa bay and san francisco and it's just a horrific matchup too like speaking of matchups for tampa bay as we saw so i do think they get to the super bowl but i think the afc team wins and i think the stage is just going to be not not so much the stage but what are we talking about patrick mahomes josh allen versus brock purdy that's when he'll really feel the pressure like when we talked about having purdy being down against the raiders i think being down against uh being down against them a home round is going to be a little different than uh, Jerry Stidham.
1: Right. Yep. I think the equalizer there, if there were to be one, would be the Forty ers defense. You know, like it wouldn't so. be about Brock Purdy necessarily having to keep pace with them, because like we saw it against the Chiefs, and obviously that ended up kind of unfolding the last time they played him in the Super Bowl. But this is a better defense than that defense, and. For like three quarters, everybody was looking at each other going like, holy shit, the 49ers are taking it to the Chiefs. So maybe Brock Purdy doesn't have to necessarily go toe-to-toe with a Mahomes or an Allen in a sense that their defenses are not what the 49ers are. So I don't know. But that to me, I, I get what you're coming from though. The, the, the teams on the AFC are much more intimidating. And much, like whether it's the Bengals, the Bills, or the Chiefs, like those guys are, are coming at you with a, a, a sledgehammer and right. like you Alan have to be able Ditz. to, yeah. Like I'm thinking, I'm not thinking just Allen.
2: I'm thinking of who's going to guard Diggs because they're not just going to leave Diggs on one side for Mooney Ward to match up against. If it's right. the Bengals again, Jamar chase and T Higgins. Hell no. I don't want anything to do with that. Um, they're, Like they're, they're just more potent man. and uh, Oh man, it's. It, it would be tough for any defense to keep
1: up. It's with. weird to talk about those teams and then realize the 49ers have scored more than them. Yep. You're like <laughs> yeah. what is the, you're like, what, what, I can't even make sense of this. Like it, yeah. it, it's just, I mean, it's just a matter of just, you know, it's like your football sense. Something's weird here. Something is a foot, but no matter what I will say, and I'll probably make sure I, maybe I'll bug you throughout the postseason to keep jumping on here, but this has been such a – might have been the most interesting football season, 49ers season I've ever covered. It's been a blast. It's completely unexpected. It's absolutely qualifies for the just enjoy the ride while you're on it. Like It's pretty unbelievable that this team just somehow manages to be the, one of the, if not the most interesting team in the NFL year after year. I don't get it. And
2: in, in different ways too. It's not like it's always the same. Sure, they're all they're making the playoffs, but mm-hmm. last year we were talking about just squeaking by the Rams. Like it took everything to go in their, their favor to get in the playoffs. This this year, they had about a month to spare. And we were talking about them potentially being the one seed. So just night and day, even from year over year.
1: Yeah, and they barely squeak by the Rams, and then they beat the Cowboys, and then they beat the Packers, and then they barely lose to the Rams, and the Rams go on to win the Super Bowl and now are like one of the worst teams in the NFL. I guess that's what happens when you lose your quarterback, but the 49ers are laughing at that notion. I don't (laughs) know, know. man. (laughs) I don't know, man. But, hey, KP, you should be the host co-host of this podcast, so I appreciate you coming on, bro.
2: Always, man. Appreciate you having me. Uh, hopefully course, we have dude. a chance to talk
1: about more games. And I, hey, I will say this, if you have not, fun- what's your YouTube channel, bro? Like, what's your little YouTube name? I think it's just Kyle Posey. Okay, get on YouTube and subscribe to Kyle Posey's channel because the videos he makes breaking down games are, to me, like, must-watch shit. Like, I just, like, and they're nice and long-form They're not like five-minute things. They're like 20-minute breakdowns. The dude knows football twice as well as I do. And he also coaches it just like I do, so you get that perspective. And just make sure you subscribe to his shit. And it's on his Twitter, too. Um, But so anyways, what I'm saying is good job on those videos, bro. They're very informative and entertaining.
2: It's just a great way for me to vent.
1: It is. It is. And you know ball, man. Like you know ball in a way that I don't. I like to think I'm more of like a – I don't know, like an emotionally driven football analyst. Like I, that's, and you are analytically driven in a point where, you know, obviously, I'm assuming you call plays for your school.
2: Yeah. So when you say analytically driven, I think the, uh, having an accounting background,
1: having just doing that for before there I was there, you doing, go. Um, you're like uh, the kid from Moneyball.
2: <laughs> it it helps to uh, remove that emotional part
1: because you're thinking, why don't you throw this guy the ball?
2: Well, they got to do this to set that up. So I
1: get it. I get it. Yeah, it's it's impressive, man. But well, anyways, I appreciate you coming on, dude. Thanks, man. You're, always. You're a good. You're a good man and a, a gentleman and a scholar. But all right, that's it. That's a solid hour. KP's got to go eat dinner. Where are you going to dinner?
2: I'm going to a taco spot. Um, oh. Orchel Cafe here, yeah.
1: You really like elite food. Tacos are in the elite tier. They are. They so this are is like
2: a cafe spot too. So like I'm gonna get food on a paper plate, so you know it's good. Probably a little styrofoam action.
1: Yeah, you don't you don't want to eat tacos on a glass restaurant plate. No, 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 no. <laughs> that ain't that ain't right. That ain't right. But have you had? Uh, have you ever had like carne asada fries? Oh yes, yes.
0: Indeed. Oof, it's
1: dangerous. They oh, like pounds, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. But it's like <laughs> it's like me- Mexican food just grabbed a little bit of American food and made it better. Like, <laughs> like yeah, they made
2: it better. Damn it, they
1: did. Yep, I, I think if if I had to take one food to my grave with me, it would be Mexican food. Like is, breakfast, is, is,
2: lunch, dinner. Give me, yeah,
1: yeah. All right, man. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Striking Gold. It's you are the reason this podcast has kept going. And if you has. Stayed here and dealt with me as a solo host this whole time. Then you're doing something right, and I appreciate it. Um If you and if you didn't know, KP is supposed to be the co-host, but you know you've heard me take those digs <laughs> over and over. And there's a reason he's still on the motherfucking image for Dude. this podcast. It's not a mistake. I'm just being petty. So, um, thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Appreciate it. Make sure you're jumping on there, Kyle. What's your what's your Twitter handle? KP underscore show. Yeah, the KP show. Twitter is a layup line, baby. Um, KP underscore show. Follow him. Again, go find his YouTube channel. Watch his breakdowns of the 49ers and how they play football. They're awesome. KP, thanks again. Everybody else, um, follow him. Follow me. Follow the pod. Give us positive reviews. Shared some love. But for now, y'all know the story. Hopefully, no matter what, I'm going to be back here. Actually, you know what? I'm going to the game. But I should be back in time. I'm still. I'm gonna try and. It's on a Saturday evening. I should be able to record the the post game breakdown for you for you guys to have on Sunday morning. Anyway, so how long you'll does it be hearing from to me. out of the stadium when you leave? I should, but I'm I'm going with the missus. I'm not doing the the media route. I wanted to take her to a playoff playoff game, so uh, I don't want her like go sit in the car. No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, how long is it?
2: going to take you to get oh, out. Of I thought you field. said, I Is thought it- you said, why don't you just record it at the game? No, party. no, no, no. Cause I know, I know it's a pain. So I was yeah. wondering just up and leaving when the clock hits zero. Cause it's so bad. Even like an hour after.
1: Yeah. I, we usually take our time getting out of the stadium and take our time at the car and let the traffic get out of the way, especially if it's going to be raining. I don't want to leave the game with any of these jokers. Um, uh, it, it takes us about two and a half hours to get home. And then we usually wait about an hour after the game to leave. So, I'm, I mean, it's usually a Sunday though, so we're usually home by about 9, 9 9.30. And But if it's a Sunday and I got work in the morning, I don't really want to just hop on and record and try to be enthusiastic. But it's on a Saturday, so, you know, I might just like crack open a beer and record a podcast. That's how you do it. You know, but, all right, everybody. That's enough, that's enough from us. Um, you will hear from me again. After the game, win or lose, y'all know that's how it is. But for another episode, this is Striking Gold, and we are signing out.
3: When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.